It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Vetrano to your side, closing through the seam, out of the stick of Ryan Strong, backhand pass, Lacombe. Now Vetrano drives one and Kakin and makes the stick stop. The puck skitters wide but stays in play. Minute 17 left on the power play for Anaheim. And about a minute and a half, a little less than that remaining in the period. Going to the net. Score! From the point, Lacombe shoots it. Might have been chipped in front on its way in. And now it's 5-3 Anaheim. The Ducks score yet again on the man advantage. Yeah, it was definitely encouraging. And, you know, you put units together and it's going to take a little time. We didn't really have a lot of time to kind of practice. So... You know, anticipate us getting better. Maybe not scoring three, but just looking better. Our entries got better as the game went on, and you know that's an area we're going to get better at. But overall, I thought we got better on our power play as the game went on. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Kind of a weird one at the tank last night as the San Jose Sharks fall to the Anaheim Ducks by a final of six to four. Much of this game was played on special teams as the Sharks were on the power play six times and scored three power play goals. And then the Ducks were on the power play five times. They had two power play goals, but they also scored a shorthanded goal. So this was just kind of a strange game all the way around. And the Sharks, in terms of an effort, much, much better than what we saw against New Jersey the other night. Obviously, still giving up a lot of goals. They've given up 13 in their last two games, but uh, the effort from start to finish was a lot better from the Sharks. But there still were some of these issues that we've seen the Sharks have just issues with all year long, and that was the idea of the goals coming in bunches and problematically so. If we go back to the first period, the Sharks took an early lead and then gave up two goals in 90 seconds to go from up one nothing to down 2-1. And then we go to the third period where they give up a goal to go down 3-1. Then they go to go from Hoffman to make it 3-2, Eklund 3-3. And then shortly thereafter, they gave up two goals 66 seconds apart to see that 3-3 tie go to a 5-3 deficit. And there was no coming back for that. And that's one of those things that we've seen all year long where the Sharks give up these goals in bunches and it's still a part of their DNA. There are these momentary collapses that they just are not able uh, to really be as organized and focused and filled with effort as they need to be out there on the ice. And it's not going away. And for the time being, it's still part of their DNA. And we're 58 games into the season. I don't know when or if that changes, but it's got to be something that changes going forward into next year. It's got to be a point of emphasis. It's got to be something that they take care of and make more of an effort to uh, get out of their game because you can't play as well as the Sharks did at certain moments of last night, only to have it unraveled by what we're saying, what, 90 and 66 seconds? You know, that's two and a half minutes that the game 
saw you give up four goals. And that's not going to be enough to get the win. You take those away or you take away, you know, two of those goals. And then you're talking about a 4-4 game and things are a little bit different. So, you know, having those lapses in their mentals is something they need to rectify. Um, you know, there were some other points where things just did not go well overall. The uh, defense of Hoffman on the shorthanded goal was just uh, bad, for lack of a better term. I don't know if he thought he had help or if uh, he got a little bit tangled up with his skates, but he just didn't look like he, you know, did well enough in that specific situation. Kapo Kakinen has been great all year long, but last night was not one of his best nights. There were a couple tip plays. There were a couple situations where he was put um, not in a great situation, but I would say of the five that he gave up, there's probably a couple that he wants back. And on a night where you are giving up special play goals, two on the power play, one shorthanded, that's not, it's not enough to be okay in that night. I'm not blaming him in any way, shape, or form, but you know, that's just what we saw from the Sharks last night. And it was just not one of those games where they were at their best. They didn't need to be at their best, I don't think, unfortunately, to beat a team like Anaheim. Uh, but unfortunately, their errors uh, were problematic enough over the course of the game that they were not able to overcome them, even if it was a better effort than what they showed on Tuesday night. One of my favorite things about this game was the fact that William Eklund was getting in scrums and you know pushing guys around, throwing guys to the ice. I want the red-ass William Eklund, and fans last night were fired up in response to him getting into it with guys. And William Eklund, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he is stout, right? Like, he's strong. He's got some huge legs on him. He's got a uh, Martin St. Louis thing going about him, and I hope that he continues to uh, put on more size on his upper body and just become kind of more of a little wrecking ball out there uh, that guys don't want to mess with because William Eklund, I don't think he's ever going to be some great fighter or anything to that capacity, but he is a low center of gravity and can put some hits on guys, and I think that guys are learning that um, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, they probably don't want to mess with him out there on the ice because he doesn't take any S from everybody and, or anybody, I should say. And I, I enjoy that about him. I appreciate William Eklund. I mean, he's, you know, it's it's funny to watch. He's got kind of the boyish good looks going on and he looks like a sweet young kid. And then he gets up and tangles with guys. And, uh, you know, I like that. There is a uh, there's an alarming juxtaposition with the two sides of William Eklund, the duality of Eki, as we like to say, and I, I just think that's fun, and I like that you know the Sharks are learning to play a little bit of pissed off red ass hockey, especially some of these younger guys like William Eklund who are going to have to bring that as part of their game as they get deeper and deeper into their career. Be the guy that people don't want to play against. Be the guy that people don't want to have to put up with that type of an effort. I, I know that. You don't want to be taking penalties if you don't have to, uh, but at the same time, you have to stand up for yourself and stand up for your teammates, and I think William Eklund has been doing a good job of that uh, over the course of the year and uh, as he learns more and more about being a pro in the NHL. Uh, Anthony Duclair, I know that he's been a subject of a lot of trade talk, and by having a two-goal game last night, there's probably an even higher chance that he does end up getting moved, but you know, he's playing well, and unfortunately for the Sharks, or fortunately, depending how you look at it, other teams are probably going to want to give up future assets for what Duclair can bring. And then you've watched just overall Mikhail Grandland and that line overall play very, very well. A lot of jump out there, a lot of speed, a lot of movement, a lot of action. Um, those are exactly the things that you want to see as you get deeper and deeper into the season. You want to see guys perform at a high level. I know that, you know, Mikhail Granlin is another one of those names that we've heard referenced with trade talks all year long. I 
understand that, you know, we probably don't want to lose him because he's playing well, but at the same time, you recognize that he could bring you future assets. And as I've said time and time this year, it is about the future more than it is about the here and now. Granlin, three assists, a three-point night. Duclair, two goals and an assist, three-point night. Hoffman, goal and an assist, two-point night. Zetterlin, two assists, two-point night. Ohochuk, one-point night. Eklund, a goal, one-point night. I mean, that's that's a lot of guys getting in on it. And it's, you know, top-level guys, depth guys, defensemen. That's more the effort that you want to see over the course of the game. So I'm happy to see that from the Sharks. You like and appreciate everything they were able to do over the course of the game. It's just a matter of them continuing to find consistency in their game, rectifying the mistakes, taking these mental lapses out of their game. It's easier said than done. It's probably a project for the future more than it is for the here and now. Uh, But as we get deeper into the year, I know that the things that we see over and over are relatively annoying because you see the same things over and over, but it is important to identify the weak spots. It is important to identify where the team is having troubles and what they need to focus on in the offseason, what they need to focus on individually to become a better team. All right, let's break this down. Sharks go up one nothing thanks to an early strike from Anthony Duclair. Sharks move in. Duclair flips to Zetterlin. He's got some space, throws it toward the net. Off the skate of the defenseman, Vakaninen. But Zetterlin took it back, moves it back behind the goal line, spins off the check to Duclair. Shot, score! Anthony Duclair in the left-wing circle, the beneficiary of some great work by Fabian Zetterlin. And Duclair's hard one-time shot gets by Gibson at 2.47. The Sharks are up 1-0. Yeah, that got things rolling, but it was relatively short-lived. The Sharks with a one nothing lead, and unfortunately, 20 seconds later, it was Leo Carlson leveling the ledger for Anaheim. Here come the Ducks right back in. They score! Anaheim moving down the left wing side. Alex Kalorn just barely gained the zone, sent the pass across the ice, and Leo Carlson, second overall in the draft, had the backhand side of his stick down on the ice, and all he did was tip it up top to get it past Capo Kakinen on a three-on-two break that came off the faceoff. It's 1-1. Yeah, not enough pressure as they moved through the neutral zone and into the Sharks' end. If you let them go up your spine with that much ease, It's probably not going to end well, but that was the shortest-lived Sharks lead of the year, 20 seconds. I don't know if any were shorter than that, but not a good response from the Sharks. And then not too long after that, it's 2-1 Anaheim. Here come the Ducks. Brett Leeson, shorthanded, gets by Hoffman, moves in and scores! Mike Hoffman let Leeson have all kinds of room, and Leeson coming down the right lets a wrist shot go that was down on the ice. It gets by Kekkonen, and that's a shorthanded goal you can't give up. Anaheim 2, the Sharks 1. Yeah, that was a bad one right there. I don't know what Hoffman was exactly seeing there that let him kind of drift to the outside. I don't know if he thought he had help. I I, I don't know if he thought he didn't want to be screening. Uh, Kakinen blocking his view, but uh, ultimately it was just not enough in the moment. And suddenly a one nothing advantage had gone to a 2-1 deficit, and that was not a good sign for things to come as Anaheim kept adding on. Calm, sends it up the near boards. Anaheim chips it off those boards. 2-1 by the Vettelping for Anaheim. Here's Kalorin moving in, shooting it, score! Capo Kakinen just looked at that, watched it, froze a little bit. I don't think that Kalorin ever really looked to his left to make the pass, but he snaps one home, and Kalorin makes it 3-1 Anaheim. So you're just over five minutes into the second period, and your 2-1 lead has now turned into a 3-1 deficit. But I'll give the Sharks a lot of credit as they came roaring back to life 
with Mike Hoffman getting his ninth goal of the year, breaking a near 30-game scoreless streak, although at first we all thought it was Anthony Duclair. Mikhail skates to the near side, into the left circle, stopping, throwing it off to the left, grabbing it, Eklund, moving it back near side, Granlund, behind the back pass, Zetterlin, Zetterlin cross-ice, and here comes the shot by Hoffman, tip, score! Anthony Duclair's in front of the net, that was actually a fan yep. shot by the Sharks, Mike Hoffman, but he's going to pick up an assist, and it's a power play goal for the Sharks to make it 3-2 with 9.34 remaining in the second period, the Sharks trail the Ducks by just one. Hoffman did not get all of that one, but he didn't end up getting credit for the goal and not Duclair. And I know some people at the uh, tank were a little bit confused about that because they did initially declare that Duclair was the goal scorer. I like how that sounds. Declared that Duclair was the goal scorer, but it was actually Hoffman they later rectified. So when uh, Duclair got his second goal of the night, some people threw their hats onto the ice uh, thinking they had seen a hat trick. Um, unfortunately you can't get those hats back, uh, but I appreciated the sentiment more than anything else. But at that point it is three, two and the sharks just kept on battling. Right now it's Duclair flips it over to Eklund behind the net back to Duclair. Anthony's got two goals turns in the corner, throws it back to Granlund, gets a pass back left circle. Here comes the shot on goal and the save made. It's a rebound. Eklund shoots and scores. William Eklund bangs it home and ties the game at three. A huge power play goal with 4.20 left in the second period. And this is where those lapses come in because it's a 3-3 game at this point, 15.40 into the second, and then you give up less than two minutes later, two goals, 66 seconds apart. First, Vetrano. It's only the fourth time this season the Sharks have scored two power play goals in a game. They have two tonight off the faceoff. Sent to the net. Oh, no. Petrano shoots off of Mario Ferraro and in. It gets by Kakinen, and the Ducks take the 4-3 lead. That is a power play goal, and Petrano should get credit for it. Unfortunately, that went off of Ferraro after Kakinen made the save, but doesn't matter. The puck finds its way to the back of the net, and suddenly it's 4-3. That took a lot of the momentum away from the Sharks after they'd worked so hard to make it a 3-3 game and get back into it. And then 66 seconds later, like I said, suddenly it was Adam Henrique making it a 5-3 game. Vetrano near side. Throws it through the seam. Out of the stick of Ryan Strom. Backhand pass. Lacombe. Now Vetrano drives one and Kakinen makes the stick stop. The puck skitters wide but stays in play. Minute 17 left on the power play for Anaheim. And about a minute and a half, a little less than that remaining in the period. Going to the net. Score! From the point, Lacombe shoots it, might have been chipped in front on its way in, and now it's 5-3 Anaheim. The Ducks score yet again on the man advantage. So between 15-40 of the second and 18-41 of the second, the Sharks went from tying it at 3-3 to going down 5-3. And that, again, just sucks all the wind out of your sails. There's not a lot that you're going to be able to do at that point in the remainder of that period, but... Credit to the Sharks once again. They came out in the third period, played decent hockey, and 9.30, Anthony Duclair finds his second goal of the night and the Sharks' third power play goal of the night. Randall directing a little traffic. He's going to take the point position. Zetterlin poked it forward. Duclair on the boards. Nice pass, getting it back to Granlin. He stops, he backs up, he gives it back to Zetterlin. Back to Granlin on the point. He's got Hoffman open on the right side. Back to Granlin. Granlin backskates to the top of the circle. Throws to the net save. Duclair, score! Anthony Duclair with a rebound, bangs it home. The Sharks are down 
by one with an unusual four-on-three power play goal. And for the first time this year, the Sharks have scored three power play goals in the game. And again, I got to give a lot of credit to San Jose because they kept on fighting, kept on trying to get themselves back into this game. A quality night from Duclair. He's got two goals. Sharks have scored three power play goals. It's a 5-4 game. You've still got about half a period where you're thinking you can get yourself back into it. Um, It's going to be a lot to ask at that point because you've come down from a 3-1 deficit to tie it at three, and then you make it a 5-3 deficit. Now it's 5-4, and unfortunately the Sharks were not able to find the breakthrough, and the breakthrough came by way of Anaheim finding an empty netter. Down to 30 seconds remaining in the game. Sharks losing by one. Granlund can't control it. Now Lundestrom steals it from Granlund. Got to get up on Here they come. Empty net. Lundestrom score. And that was all she wrote for San Jose. 6-4 was your final. A long and strange game, like I said. A lot of special teams play. Uh, Both teams spent a lot of time on the power play, respectively. Uh, The Sharks gave up two power play goals and a shorthanded goal. And it's incredible to score three power play goals and still give up three goals on special teams and not win that game. I mean, that maybe was the most frustrating part about that game was that if you score three power play goals, I don't have the stat offhand, but I imagine that's a game you're going to win, and the Sharks found a way to not win that game, and that's just where things are for Team Teal right now. Hopefully it's not that way in the future, but I feel like if you score three power play goals, that's usually a game that a team should win, but... It was not to be on this night for San Jose. All right. On the other side, we are going to get into some post-game reaction, and we are going to hear from Curtis Pashelka of Bay Area News Group. That's all coming up next on Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Right now, it's Duclair. Flips it over to Eklund behind the net, back to Duclair. Anthony's got two goals. Turns in the corner, throws it back to Granlin. Gets a pass back, left circle. Here comes the shot on goal, and the save made. It's a rebound. Eklund shoots and scores! William Eklund bangs it home and ties the game at three. A huge power play goal with 4.20 left in the second period. Love it. You know, I mean, listen, these guys... That scrum there, I mean, I love what his response. I mean, you can't take any crap, and he didn't. A William Eklund goal and David Quinn weighing in on William Eklund's game after the Sharks lost to Anaheim last night, particularly William Eklund's ability to mix it up and get into it with guys despite not being the biggest guy on the ice. I know that I'm a big fan of red-ass William Eklund, and I hope that uh, you will be as well because it is uh, it is fun to watch. I enjoy him getting fired up and uh it's just such a fun uh, juxtaposition with his uh, overall charming uh, boyish look, and then he goes out there and tangles with the guys. I think it's a fun dynamic, and I hope we see more of it. Like I said earlier, the fans respond to red-ass William Eklund. Yeah, you know, yeah, I noticed that more and more, so it's going to happen. You know, I'm going to be able to handle that, and I'm going to be bad at that. 
Yeah, that's Eklund saying that he's aware the guys are testing him. And I think that it's important to see that he is up to the challenge and show the rest of the league that he's not going to take any S from anyone. And also, if he sees someone uh, make a play on a teammate that he doesn't like, he's going to let him know about it as well. And that's part of a young player's development. We talk so much about production, numbers, goals, and assists. Also, part of that mentality that you have out there on the ice is part of uh, an individual player's identity and a team's identity as well. And it's something the Sharks are doing a much better job of over the course of the season. And just as the way that we want to see some of these lapses in their mentality be eliminated from this season to next season, part of this overall mentality from San Jose, where they're not going to take any S from anybody, where they're going to go out there and let guys know exactly how they feel about a certain play. That's something that needs to be fostered even more. We hear Mike uh, Greer talk about, you know, the Sharks needing to be a team that's hard to play against. That's part of it. It's not just being physical. It's not just being tough on defense. It's not just being hard-nosed and those things. It's also being a team that doesn't take any crap. And I think that that's been fostered pretty well this year. And seeing William Eklund step up and kind of embrace that aspect is something that I think everyone should learn from on the team. And hopefully it's a lesson that's carried over into the future of San Jose as they continue to build. Anthony Duclair had a great night last night. Two goals and an assist. This is what he had to say after the loss. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think uh, after the last game, it was, uh, it was one of those games I think everybody had to step up, and, um, you know, especially in front of our own home fans. Uh, we weren't uh, too pleased with our effort, uh, you know, last time against the Devils, so we want to make sure that, um, you know, we end this uh, home stint on a, on a good note. Obviously, it didn't go our way again, but um, I like the way uh, I think we competed and, and battled back and stayed in and right to the end there. And Duclair knows how important that is to continue the battle, to continue the fight. If he's recognizing the fight, if he's recognizing the effort, I think that's a good thing overall. And I think that across the board, everyone was more pleased with their effort tonight. Even if there were lapses, even if there were mistakes, even if there were issues, I think the way that they played against New Jersey uh, was so error prone and so much of shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, they needed to have a better performance. They needed to go out there and have a day that they felt good about what they did out there on the ice. And I think that, you know, they even were not happy about the win, but even so, they probably were pleased that they responded a little bit better. They gave the fans a much better night. I mean, listen, 6-4 is much better than 7-2 any way you look at it. And Anthony Duclair was a big part about that. He responded. I know that you can say, well, you know, he's looking at the trade market and his name's getting thrown out there. But, yeah, he's not scoring goals for himself. He's scoring goals for the San Jose Sharks and fighting to keep them in a game. And he was in on three goal-scoring plays. Um, that's that's a good night. That's a good night for anybody in the NHL. I don't care if it's against Anaheim. I don't care if it's against Boston, Vegas, Vancouver, Chicago. If you're getting a three-point night and keeping your team in the game and continuing to fight, uh, that's a good night overall. And Anthony Duclair can hold himself with some pride after that one. Yeah, yeah. Then last game, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we controlled the puck a little bit more. We, we held on to the puck a little more. It was on possession. So, um, yeah, definitely some positives. But obviously, um, you know, didn't get the win. So there's a lot to learn from. Yeah, it goes without saying. If you don't give the team that you're playing against the puck as often as you do on Tuesday night, you're probably going to have a much better go of it. And that's what the Sharks did against Anaheim last night. That is not exactly difficult to figure out. And the Sharks made that correction from one game to the next. Now, that's not to say it was a perfect game, uh, but after a performance like Tuesday night, they needed to make corrections. All right, as promised, 
I talked with Curtis Pashelka of Bay Area News Group on the buildup yesterday. I wanted to give you some of that. And I asked him about, um, you know, some of the trade speculation that's been circulating around Sharks goalies all year long and maybe how that changes in light of the injury to Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting. Like you mentioned, there was a lot of talk about uh, McKenzie at the start of the season, especially after the Edmonton Oilers got off to the start they had. There was thought that maybe there might be some connection there, and then McKenzie had got off to a pretty good start this season. Um, even though the Sharks were struggling, McKenzie was was playing pretty well. And you know, you know, as we go into as we get close to the trade deadline here, you know, there's a lot more talk about Kapokakin and and his availability as far as the. That's the trade set. Uh, you know, the trade deadline goes. Um, you know, is whether this affects the Sharks' plans or not. I'm not 100 sure. You, you read different things about, uh, you know, how how much uh, uh, Capo is being sought after here by some teams. I definitely think he's a guy uh, who could help a team as far as just shoring up uh, a playoff contending team's depth. Uh, as a goalie, not necessarily step in as a number one or or anything like that, but just to be a guy, you know, you've got a veteran uh, capable backup in case of your uh, your your top goalie goes down with an injury or, or what have you. So, um, you know, how does you know as far as the Sharks? I mean, do they have to sort of table that discussion if, if a team uh, you know comes along with an offer for for uh, for Capo? Um, I'm not sure. Um, you know, that's certainly. It's certainly possible. Potentially, the way you get around that is to have the other team include a goalie, uh, a healthy goalie, as part of that deal, just to just to sort of give the give the Sharks, uh, you know, a placeholder, if you will, to you know, uh, to for the uh, until they get uh, Mackenzie Blackwood healthy again. So, um, you know, it, 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 see how kind of things uh, shake out here. I think the good news from the Sharks' perspective is they don't anticipate Mackenzie having to miss too 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 much time here maybe one or two weeks uh before he's back so at least that's the hope from the organization so we'll kind of see how things play out here it should be an interesting week no, no doubt about it an interesting week indeed as today this morning time of recording it is friday march 1st the deadline is a week from today at noon three o'clock eastern and uh, i would imagine that a lot is going to go down between now and then um, I also asked Curtis Pashelka about the Sharks and their lapses on the ice, which is something we saw against New Jersey the other night. And also we ended up seeing last night against Anaheim. Like I said, two goals, 90 seconds apart in the first period, two goals, about 66 seconds apart in the second period. Um, that's not going to get it done, especially in the first period when you give up a game tying goal, just 20 seconds after you get a go ahead goal early in the game. This is an issue. The Sharks have continued to contend with all season long. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think that speaks to just uh, who's out of the lineup right now. I mean, you're missing uh, one of the better two-way centermen, the guy who's been one of the better two-way centermen in the league for a long time, Logan Couture, and another guy kind of stabilizes or stabilizes the team down the middle of Tomas Hurdle. I mean, you take those two guys out of the lineup on a team that's already a little bit thin and is in, in some ways is inexperienced. Um, you know, it's it's you almost have to play a really perfect sound game to sort of remain competitive and and uh you know the off say nothing of the offense but just on the defensive end some of the sort outs and, and things along those lines and that's that's kind of where i see sort of you know this team sort of uh really missing those guys just uh you know sort of the the, the sound structural plays that those guys are known for now you take that out of the lineup mm -hmm. and you're putting guys in the mix who 
you know, are playing roles maybe a little bit above their above their uh, their, their pay grade right now. So um, kind of just curious to see how the Sharks respond here because it certainly doesn't look like Luke Couture is going to be back anytime soon. And, and Tomas Hurdle, we know, is, is out for, for several weeks after he had his knee operation. So um, this is a group that's going to have to kind of figure out his way and what works for themselves because, you know, after the trade deadline, we could get a little bit thinner. Uh, yeah. up front and in the battle on the back end too. So uh and certainly this team is not lack for challenges here if we as we go into you know the last uh two months of the season, especially uh uh with uh the homestand, you know, the homestand coming to an end and and uh, a road trip uh road trip coming up and a challenging month of March, no doubt about it. Now obviously we don't know when Logan Couture, Tomas Schertel are going to come back. I would hope especially for Logan Couture and just his overall mental state uh, that he is able to come back before the season does come to an end just to show that he can do it. But obviously getting healthy is more important than anything else. Um, But yeah, these lapses are something that are, you know, in part due to who they're missing, but in part due to some of the habits they've learned over the year. There's sometimes a bit too much hero hockey guys trying to do too much on their own guys trying to create too much offense on their own. And unfortunately it is a consistent part of their DNA and it, it is relatively understandable. I'm not saying that I blame these guys for wanting to make something happen. Everybody wants to be a spark. Everybody wants to be the guy that gets things turned around in some difficult situations. Uh, but it's, it's part of who they are at this point of the season. They will give up goals in bunches and in rapid succession. And that's something that good teams in the NHL uh, don't do very often. The sharks do do it very often and it's not something that is helping them as they get deeper and deeper into the season all right looking to the weekend we've got games on saturday and sunday so we'll keep you occupied on the weekend saturday five o'clock go time 4 30 pre right here on the sharks audio network as they will be in dallas taking on the stars and then on sunday four o'clock start time 3 30 pre as the sharks take on the wild and uh, the second of a back-to-back before they're back home against Dallas, the Islanders, and the Senators next Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. All right, that wraps it up for Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. Sharks move in. Duclair flips to Zetterlin. He's got some space. Throws it toward the net. Off the skate of the defenseman Bakaninen. But Zetterlin took it back. Moves it back behind the goal line. Spins off the check to Duclair. Shot. Star! Anthony Duclair in the left wing circle. The beneficiary of some great work by Fabian Zetterlin. And Duclair's hard one-time shot gets by Gibson at 247. The Sharks are up 1-0.